Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment here on the Neil Haley Show. I'm excited to welcome Caregiver Dave Nassani. Dave, how are you, man? And uh, are you loving it? Uh, Everything opening up back up again? And the gas station's got to be busy. Gas station's amazingly busy. I was just on TV, uh, LA Market, uh, ABC, did an interview right on the premises about uh, high gas tax prices went into effect yesterday in California. We are the highest gas tax in the country and higher than the federal excise tax. It's, uh, I tell you, I wish I could just move my gas station with a helicopter to another state. (laughs) Wow. And see, and that's, that's the, that's the big thing, Dave, is we look at, you know, the, this, this process and you're like, but it doesn't hurt you if they, if gas prices are high or you're still able to do well. It does hurt. Uh, when gas prices are high, people buy less gas. They don't fill her up. They get five or $10. They don't buy uh, stuff in the store. They don't even come in the store when gas prices are too high. So we prefer gas prices much lower. All right. We make more, we make more money that way. So Dave, I'm usually the oddity, right? Six foot 10, but our guest today, I think he, if we were walking down the street, probably they recognize him quicker than me, meaning taking a second look. Who's our guest? It's me, your favorite bearded redhead, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur everything. Happy to be here. All right, so Colt, we're just going to jump right to the back. So the thing, were you one of ZZ Top's uh, backup singers? Uh, no, I was a stunt double in the late 90s, uh, but only in black and white uh, sort of artsy photos, because obviously this is, this is not blonde ZZ Top. This is the luscious red. Okay, so Dave, I'm going to jump out questions and we're going to have a fun conversation with him. He is a podcaster host type person as well as a social media influencer, Dave. So these are things, again, of different new social media platforms. We all know, you know, the Clubhouse fame. And I just jumped off of Green Room almost about hitting 20,000 gems. I was about to hit my 20,000. Dave's like, oh my gosh, 20, what is he talking about? Fireside, I'm the top seven Fireside creators now on Fireside. And just continue to grow on these things, but we're all creating these social media platforms. But how did the let's talk about Colt first? You're an entrepreneur. How when did that start for you? Well, you know, I'm always uh, being a redhead, I'm always looking for opportunities. And so if something interesting comes across my table that I feel like I can run with or add my unique point of view and, and promote something, I usually hop on. So, which brought me to Rizzle. Because originally I just did stuff on YouTube, but uh, folks at Rizzle approached me and said, hey, you want to try this new social media platform? And I said, yes, yes, I would. And I've been there uh, pretty much I've abandoned YouTube and I'm just pretty much there all the time now. So that's a video platform. Yeah, it's, a, it's in that 60 second video market, so to speak. So uh, its main competitors are TikTok, but uh, I find Rizzle has a very unique, different take on it. Uh, than TikTok. So like with TikTok, each video is sort of a standalone video. Uh, whereas in Rizzle, you, there's a subject and then other videos can be tagged onto it. So you can go in and see a conversation between people uh, on a topic on a variety of things. And then they also push very hard uh, sort of the concept of a three minute series. So like three one minute videos, beginning, middle and end, telling a really quick story. And uh, there's some very creative people on there, very impressive, high production value people. Colt, um, Neil usually gets his guests through uh, uh, publicists, et cetera. But I saw that you actually pitched him personally. Uh, how did you know Neil? And uh, what, what do you see uh, the value of coming on Neil's show? Well, Neil and I go way back. Uh, we were in a bar fight once in New York City. <laughs> 
And he has a terrible John, just kidding, just kidding. I can't I can't embellish too much here. Uh, I subscribe to a thing called Har Haro help out help a reporter out and yes, I, and he pitched it. Uh, yeah, he pitched it. Yeah. He pitched it. I check it out every few days to see if there's interesting interview right. opportunities where I can lend my wisdom and expertise. Saw this show. So he's from the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So hey, I be ratings gold. So I pitched myself to him. Good so that's you. the CC. And Dave, that's what you pitch all the time. You can explain that to people. You pitch the same type of stuff all the time, right? Yeah. In different ways. Yeah. And I've been told to go to that uh, website, and I've, I haven't done it yet, uh, but I'm going to pick myself a, a note, lot, help a reporter out. It's a lot to go through because they'll send you like 90 to 120 requests. And so I usually, uh, you know, keyword find interview or social media or uh, comedy. And just rather than read all 120 pictures, because surprise, surprise, not a pharmaceutical expert. So skip those <laughs> stories and uh, give the ones that I think would be, I'd be add some value to. So it's been working for you. I mean, there are actually reporters on there looking for a great. Oh, oh my gosh, Dave. It's, it's huge. You get to pitch wow. like the major, major. What's the matter with me? I would have told you about Hera, but you did. You only Somebody have me told me about that. You only have a podcast three guy, years ago. All, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's different. So you're 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 having me with the podcast and not the PR end because you are already the PR guru of getting on all your own stuff. He yeah. could teach people, Colt, just like you two could teach people right now how they can get booked on any show anytime yeah. they want to. So I just, just I'm did my forty seventh yesterday. Yeah, it's impressive, wow. and wh I'm waiting for that day. I'm, I'm seeing you say it in words, not enough in posts. Let's go tell some stories about the 47th show. Say, I too can teach you how to get booked on them. I know you can't say that, but I too can give you advice and help you in that process. Maybe that's good wording, you know, or just be a mentor to you. And then maybe the mentor will need uh, social media help, website design, SEO, podcast show and then dave that's how you monetize God, just could, the bottom who line all, who could do all that stuff i don't i don't know who can but go to neilhaley.com if you want to <laughs> but let's just jump back to colt colt right. now entrepreneur i was trying to get the answer how long have you been an entrepreneur oh well i've been doing uh i mean besides this doing this fantastic thing uh, i also provide marketing and social media support to a variety of businesses i've been doing that for about 10 years um pretty much I always say self-taught, but uh, I was originally a teacher. And then uh, on the weekends, I go to Philadelphia and do an improv comedy show. Uh, surprise, surprise, comedy troops don't have a lot of funding. Uh, so try to figure out as many freeways as possible to get more than our mothers to come to the show. And that's how I got into social media. And I worked that into a job with a mail order catalog company. Who I had no supervision. You're with. a model. You're a model of that mail order account. No, I just people right? social media. But but I did film myself field testing as seen on TV products in the warehouse. Took the videos, put them on the website of not a Fortune 500, but like a Fortune thousand company. Assuming like, okay, they'll tell me never. They'll tell me not to do that anymore. Nobody noticed. Nobody okay. noticed. It, I was. I had no supervision. Like a criminally lack of supervision there. And just make videos of me doing these things. And from there, now I'm on your show, A to C. So just, you know, if you, if you enjoy doing something, keep doing it until someone says stop doing it. And that's the and thing, Dave. Everyone's reinventing doing. themselves in 2021. Not the reinventing. They're uh, finding out that the micro-influencers coming, Dave. And that's a mentor of mine brings up the name micro-influencer. And he talks about Steve Olsher all the time. Uh He's the founder of Podcast Magazine, which I'm a sports category director for. And also he does a lot with podcasting and helps people monetize podcasting. And Steve always talks, it's the dawn of the micro-influencer. So someone like Colt can come out of nowhere with talent and different things. And we're going to get to Rizzo a little bit more later. But I, Dave and I kind of like this free-flowing conversation, right, Dave? Because you yeah. never know what you can say. It's a little different than your caregiving show, right, Dave? We kind of just go everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you never. We've know done improv on. on it, right? We've done improv on this show, so, you and I. So, right? yeah, here's my Dave question, uh, Colt. Yes. Is that really your voice? Because that, oh, you... oh yeah, no. This this awful voice. This is all me. I mean, 
I don't you, know why anyone would ever have it's this a cartoon voice. voice. I mean, you could do uh, makeovers, not makeovers. Uh, voiceovers. Voiceovers. Uh, hey, if someone want, if someone think they can market this, I can. This, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Listen, hey, I can market. I'm down for any adventure. Yes. I said, yeah. I, said I, I said, I can market it, Colt. I already know how we're going to monetize each other. And that's so fun about this. You know, if I could talk all day to people and then have my team take care of everything, and that's a gold mine, Dave, the next three months to be able to do that, it is going to be gold mine because I'll just have fun doing radio and just doing fun and having conversations with people and then taking it offline. It's just like social audio. That's the whole thing, Dave, is we have the conversation, we take it offline. That's a gold mine clubhouse. I still don't know why Dave hasn't seen that. Dave, I've probably done in sales, you want to hear this drum roll, about 30 grand from clubhouse. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a game changer. Clubhouse is a game changer. Fireside's a game changer. And also green room is a game changer. And really the dawn of the micro influencer. So back to you, Dave, with your next question for Colt. But I didn't know I'll go back to the follow up to Colt. Colt, you're telling me that's your voice. Okay. How yeah. long so for, for <laughs> entrepreneurship? So you said as an entrepreneur, how do you help people as an entrepreneur? I'm still interested in diving deeper into this where you talk about giving social media analytics to people. It's not like you're, you're going to provide a service for them. You provide a breakdown. Explain what you do. Uh, yeah, I mean, not the people have various levels of how literate they are with social media. Some people think it is the end-all, say-all things. But uh, I, I find that social media is really an extension of a customer service aspect. Uh, it depends on what industry that you're in. Like, obviously, if you're doing stuff on Etsy, your sales are coming through Facebook. If yeah, you buy more of, a, more of a service, like uh, an urgent care or a medical spa or something like that, I mean, you can't really sell a massage, a digital massage to anyone, but you can be there as a constant presence to pull in those clients to come to your store. And uh, I find social media today is like a business card. Yeah. Why aren't you, aren't you on Clubhouse, Colt? I am on Club. You are in Clubhouse. Yes, yes. You never I, met uh, me yet. I, what's that? You never met me on Clubhouse yet. And I live I on Clubhouse Lane. I'll have to email you. We can hook up. You can see all the weird rooms I go into. Okay, so I'm at Neil Haley on Clubhouse. I'm going to hit 5,000 party this month. I'm going to probably hit 5,000 followers on Clubhouse. It'll be my one I, I got. I'm very close. I hope to break the party and have a 5,000 party uh, for Clubhouse wow. followers, Dave. It'll be wow. sick. Yeah, so, but again, I do, I do I a lot of the crypto rooms on Clubhouse. Yeah, isn't it? Mate? But the knowledge base, Dave, that we have yeah. now. Very it's impressive. just unfreaking believable. I bet you there are people what you learned and developed that you can yeah. find now so much more. Millionaires or billionaires just walk into the room, oh share God. their pearls, and then leave, you know? And then you and then there's angel investors, all these different things. You meet people where I'm representing somebody, it's about to create this movie on this a document um, um series and we're doing a pitch deck it's amazing the people and who you meet in this world if you just put yourself out there Dave. i mean yeah. and, and that's the the, the entrepreneur thing yeah. so just keep telling me to do that neil i will keep telling you to do that and i'll have somebody who i have as a business partner now and she will talk about specifically what she does as a project manager is the current clients and saying, how can you maximize your potential even more? I think that the missing component we all have in life is we look at ourselves and we think we only can grow a certain amount and no more. So I'm going back to Rizzle again, and then I'm gonna let Dave talk some more. Rizzle, yeah. is it like Vine? Is it the replacement of Vine? Was that the one once Vine went out, Rizzle came out? Um. Well, I think they, they came out at the same time. Vine was very short, like six, 10 seconds. Like it was, yes. it was basically a heartbeat. Where um, I made the Pauls that, that started Jake Paul and Logan's rise was Vine. Sure. Sure. And, uh, but I think they, they're very much in the, there really isn't a six to 10 second video out there. A lot, a lot of people like the 60 second, um, uh, option on there right now. I mean, mm -hmm. You do like your one joke, but for like very well developed, putting time into it, sixty seconds is 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 a pretty good time. And there's a lot of these a lot of these apps coming out. I mean, I mean, Instagram has an aspect of it. Uh, TikTok is a major player in the field. Uh, I would, I mean, even Twitter 
had did their their fleets their their, their fleets their uh yeah disappearing messy video messages uh, i don't know why they picked the word fleets kind of because it's fleeting i guess but uh that's like a big area that a lot of social media companies are figuring out how they can get their hooks into it and then clubhouse the whole audio thing that kind of just blew out of nowhere so there's the two areas that i think are really really sort of taking hold uh with right. people and so i'm more interested in rizzle so what would i do on rizzle and what would dave do on rizzle so oh, well, I mean, why would it be could... how many followers do you have on rizzle by the way uh i think i have just north of two hundred and seventy-five hundred thousand followers what so Mostly in India. It's very big in India. I'm I'm huge in India, apparently. Well, you I'm look not, like you're geez, Indian. Two hundred seventy-five thousand, yeah. you said. Yeah. Two seventy-five. Yeah, two hundred seventy-five hundred thousand since January twenty twenty. Uh, I've over twenty-one million views of this lovely face. So, Dave, that's why we're having him on. He's a social media influencer. Have you monetized this, Rizzle? Um, I've gotten. No, he is a manager nice- right now, Dave. Dave, he has a mansion right now. I wish no. I had a mansion. I'd be more than happy to have someone help me monetize this for me. But um, <laughs> I, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've made probably a few thousand bucks off of various things. Uh, I've managed to uh, sort of use this to get uh, uh, an online radio show myself on AWSM Radio, uh, where I just review the news once a week with my own boyish charm. Um, but I'm not, I'm not driving a Tesla yet, but. Um, Always open. Why don't you take all those followers over YouTube? On YouTube, I had like a thousand followers. Why can't you take all those people over to YouTube from Rizzle? Um, I, I, it's it's hard. (laughs) 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 I would if I could. I would. I mean, (laughs) if it was easy, everybody would do it. So, so so Dave, what what could Dave and I do on Rizzle? Because I would take those followers, get sponsorship, and say, I have over 20 million views. You need to be a sponsor of my segments. And I get sure. money. That's sure. It. Um, well, what you could do is obviously you could uh, obviously promote things on there. Um, you could you, you do your video. You put a description. You can put five hashtags on it. And you can tag up the five other people who are currently following you. And uh, you're following them as well. And then if they respond to it or make a res- response to it, that hurts even more people and whatnot. And then you can also get featured on their featured page. For you page, just like their for you page. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, basically that. Um, and then another aspect of it is that they have hundreds, if not thousands of prompts. So you could just espouse your wisdom on like, you know, which is better, Fast and the Furious or Star Wars? Uh, how do you get over a bad breakup? Where should I invest $10,000? All these r- variety of different subjects that other people have made. Do they, do they let it go out there more than a TikTok? Or is it like organic, like TikTok in a way? You know, I, I, some of the, the fluff on TikTok is ridiculous, but you can go viral on there. Is that because Rizzle doesn't have so many people, there's a potential more for somebody like what you've done? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a grind. I mean, my, my main... On, on Rizzle, there's channels. You can make channels. So, like, I have uh, several channels of, they're not really topics. It's basically where I'm sitting. So, like, when I'm here, this set, this is Colt's Corner. And since January 2020, I've put out 3,100 episodes, 60-second episodes of me sitting here talking about 3,100 different things and whatnot. <laughs> then there's another Great. channel if I'm driving around and stuck in traffic, pop on the pit helmet, and I'll just randomly talk about stuff while I'm driving in the car. Uh, there's one channel where I'm on a treadmill. I want, when, I be, when I want to multicast, I'll be on the treadmill talking to the phone and whatnot. A little bit lower in terms of production quality, but that's that's how I organize my channels. Other people organize their channels like beauty tips, uh, you know, outside exercise, comedy series. So the, the thing that I think Rizzle has over TikTok is you can organize groups of videos much easier rather than have videos be standalone, if, if, if that makes sense. And so it's almost like a mini YouTube. Uh, in a way, yeah. I mean, you can connect mini, videos. It's with, almost like shorts now on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, YouTube has seen the value in this shorter, shorter, uh, shorter time length video format. Well, give us give us a 30-second example. Uh, show us what you do. Go, go ahead. You're on. 
Sure. Well, I'm usually three whiskeys into the night, so just pretend I am. Um, hi, friends. Colt, Sebastian, Taylor here, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur reader. People ask me, hey, Colt, you know what? Would you like to go to the beach and read? Obviously, I don't get sun because I burst into flames under a full moon. The current book I'm reading is uh, the official John Wayne handy book for men. You know what? You can learn how to get in a fist fight, find water in the desert. I mean, it's perfect thing to read on the desert. And then someone comes up to you, want to pick a fight, and say, oh, John Wayne, no bueno, I'm out of it. So that's my, that's my current book that I like to read. Until next time, my friends, I'm Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later, partner. And that's usually... So I, he's I, entertaining, Dave. I don't know yeah, if we can pretty close get... to 60 seconds. <laughs> there, there's a little bar at the top that gives you an idea, but I hit my marks pretty good. I like it. So, Dave, I think it would work good for you for caregiving. 60-second spots on caregiving. Yeah, well, that, I was doing my uh, five minutes of Dave's hammock wisdom, then I cut it down to like two minutes of Dave's hammock wisdom and 60 seconds of Dave's hammock wisdom. So, yeah, they work out. People don't have a long attention span. They'll they'll what watch Dave? the shorter you, stuff, you know. Yeah, what, Dave? What did you say? I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> we, have, we have that two-minute soundbite uh, versus the 30-minute uh, <clears throat> diatribe. So entrepreneurship, podcasting. You have a podcast too, Cole, right? Uh, yeah, it's an online uh, radio show that I also throw up on podcasting platforms. It's called The Saturday Report with Colt Sebastian Taylor, uh, where I collect interesting news stories throughout the week that I think people have missed. And then I don't do three to five minutes on talking about, offering my opinions. Uh, for example here, oh, for example, last week I talked about an unsealed subpoena in Pennsylvania, where the FBI went to Elk County, dug something up, that we found out three, three years later, they were looking for Civil War gold on state game land. But they we're not sure if they actually found anything. They say they didn't, but they also rented an armored truck for three days. So you probably missed that story. I thought it was interesting. So why so, haven't you had a morning show? Dave, don't you think you'd be great in a morning show? Sure. Any time of the day or night or whatever time. I think you, and where's your TLC show about the days and life of, uh, of Colt? I just think it can happen. You have that character. Have you pitched reality television stations yet? Are you an early riser? Show? Are you an early riser? Um, I am wherever I'm needed to be. Burst of energy <laughs> that you are. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm, if I, if I, yeah. Yeah, you'd be a good early. wake up guy wake up yeah. to Colt no but yeah. I think a reality television show the day in the life of Colt and what his life's like so oh, what kind yeah. of tell us the day a day in the life of Colt go ahead well I mean uh, usually up by 6.30 spend a half hour with my lovely boxer puppy outside as she runs around and does her business feed her and then I work on various various marketing projects for about five hours uh then i go to the gym come back work on some more stuff cook myself dinner and then uh see what's new on netflix I, oh. most of my time is being spent funding the ability to do this on on fridays with you i can see why <laughs> there's not a mrs colt <laughs> well i like to leave my uh personal life up in the air so well, yeah, I mean, so we never know cool but we never, i feel like a much more marketable there might be someone out there just to fit the other part of that jigsaw puzzle and complete you might be one might be three who knows it's 2021 so i'm telling you reality television show okay now dave right. that now you get this is gonna be the best one dave go ahead with your caregiver dave uh uh question to finish up about caregiving go ahead dave yeah, so Cole, uh, to, to, not to bring the mood down, but uh, we're going to talk about a serious topic here is caregiving, right? Yes. My, wife, my wife had a stroke. She lost her speech, became paralyzed, yet she reinvented herself. And even though she can't talk and walk, she can communicate nonverbally through Pictionary charades, two games I hate, by the way. But she makes us normal people look like whiners and complainers because she can do everything she did before. She's like a Martha Stewart, Wonder Woman. But she can do it now with one arm, one leg and duct tape, uh, you know, tied behind her back and duct tape over her mouth. And it makes us all look like whiners and complainers. So my question is, if you're not a caregiver right now and you haven't thought about that, just wait. You're either going to become one, you're going to need one. 
So surely there is some caregiving story in your past, your background, your parents, your grandparents, your brother, your sister. Tell us that story. Ah, caregiving. Um, well, most of my family is incredibly good Irish genes, but I do have a very good, um, good Samaritan story and whatnot, if you would right. like. Uh, so one time I'm coming back from an engagement and I'm at a gas station, Wawa, if you're in the eastern parts of Pennsylvania, Sheets if you're in the western part, and there's this big dark van with dark windows, and this person's waving me over to it. Oh, well, hey, Valhalla, wait till the wants to see what this is all about. There's these two people, an older gentleman and a younger lady, and they're both uh, from China, and they're trying to work a credit card machine in the gas station. So, the gas station, and if you think about it, it's the only place that asks for your zip code. You don't have to do that anywhere else. And they don't know. They've been there for half an hour trying to figure out how to use the gas station. The gentleman, not a lick of English. The younger lady, I assume his daughter, broken English. So about five minutes, oh, you want to get gas. So we all go inside. I serve as the international diplomat between Wawa and them. Of like, they need gas. It's an international credit card. They swipe it. Okay, we go back out, help help them pump gas. I, they're going to Pittsburgh. I hope they made it. And then at the very end, I mean, he, the guy says, thank you. I'm like, hey, buddy, no problem. If I'm ever in China, I'll look you up. We'll get out to eat. We'll have a great time. He goes, very nice beard. All right, yeah. you understand what I'm saying. All right, no problem, no problem. So that was very rewarding. Like, they would have they been stuck in Roarsford for hours because gas stations don't operate that anywhere else in the world, apparently. Except and, mine, of uh, course. Yeah, I mean, it was just nice nice to help people who clearly, uh, they, they, this part of Pennsylvania, they're not always the nicest people. I mean, all a bunch of... All a right. bunch well, of I recommend you go to caregiverdave.com, read my book, it's my life too. And that way, if and when the experience comes, and I, I should say when, because it, it, it's going to happen, you won't be taken by surprise like I was, and you'll be able to know what to do if a loved one. Now, you do have loved ones besides your boxer, right? I sure, mean, you're, sure. you haven't I mean, totally only, isolated yourself. Will I go there. You have not a family, you have a mother, father, brother, sister, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're proud of you, right? I mostly, most of the time. Good, good for you. I mean, there are occasions like, oh, all right. But not only will I go there, my friend, I will make a rizzle this evening, put that link down there, and send it out to all of my hundreds of thousands of people who have mistakenly right. followed so me. If on you get $5 for all those hundreds of thousands of people, you'd be in pretty good shape. I would yeah. be in good shape. <laughs> I'd be happy with $2 from them. Yes. So, <laughs> and, and then they might send out uh, something else instead, some rupees instead to you. And that hey, won't be as much. Five I'm rupees would not be much at all, Dave. You know that, right? No. <laughs> five rupees would be not much at all so he would get millions of rupees which yeah. would be millions of dollars hey I'll buy myself a roast beef dip I'll be happy <laughs> alright guys we appreciate it that was again the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment this is a fun segment because I mean we could have a show we could have a running show this other three of us just talking topics all day long because we all talk alright that was the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment take care guys Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. 
We're back to the Neil Haley Show here. And you know, it's just interesting when we get to talk to another broadcast journalist and learn from her and especially her story. And you know, it's just, it's something about how we overcome adversity. And my guest, Kimberly Alexander, has definitely overcame some adversity. She is a former NFL wife that has a very interesting story, but also a story of how we can overcome things and all obstacles, even if we lose the person that we love the most. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Kimberly Alexander. Kimberly, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's kind of take us down this road. First of all, how you became an NFL wife and the story kind of through that till then learning about what happened. Uh, well, the way I became an NFL wife was rather um, uneventful, in my opinion. But in hindsight, I'm just like, man, I don't know how my parents didn't kill me. Um, I actually met my my late husband right after his rookie season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I was a student at the University of Florida. We met one weekend, went out the next weekend, and that was it. About a year and a half later, we were married at that point he was playing for the denver broncos and um, we got married had our first son i was still in school i transferred from the university of florida to cu boulder and that started my life as an nfl wife and it's always been interesting because i've had people ask me well what was it like being married to an nfl player and i would always tell them you know i i don't know anything different so to me it was just rather normal football was just his job and um and it pretty much dictated everything we did moving forward of course with our life revolving around his football season and we moved accordingly he was in denver for three seasons uh he then went to the indianapolis colts for three seasons he actually sat out one year recovering from an injury and we thought he'd never play football again but he, in fact, recovered from that injury and ended his career with the Oakland Raiders, where he played for two additional years. So we were with the NFL for technically 10 years, but he actually played only nine. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. So so that process of uh, learning, how did you deal with uh, the, the travel and all the different things that involve NFL? Were you able to handle it well, in, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think I handled it well just because I didn't know anything different, you know, um, because of his career. I knew that my career was not really going to go anywhere initially um, because I was at the University of Colorado while he was playing with the Broncos. You know, our instructors told us, look, when you graduate from school, you're going to end up being a one man band out in Farmington, New Mexico, making about thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars per year. And. I couldn't do that. I was already married. I already had a son and my life literally revolved around his games. And so while the other students were at school and on weekends planning to hang out and party, I was going home to cook dinner for my husband and, and scout whoever he was playing that weekend. So my lifestyle was just different. I didn't um, I didn't realize how different it was until now that I look back on it, especially because at the time I was only about 22, 23 years old. And when I look at my sons who are now 23 and 25, I'm like, man, I can't believe we were making the decisions that we were making at the age that we were. But that's just how our life was. And, and I don't regret anything about it. You know, Kimberly, it's interesting. We always look at the NFL athlete, meaning the, the player, not the wife. And especially if they're young as well, going through that process and how they deal with things. And especially if they can't go and do their careers because of their husband and having to settle very early that their job is to be at home in a way. And there's not really great resources, would you agree, available for them to understand their role, especially if they are part of some pretty good money, depending on, you know, the athletes and different things like that. So I just think it's something we don't focus on is the significant other of that player. Right. Well, yeah, you know, back then, I mean, we learned pretty early on that financially, it just didn't make sense for us to work. I mean, not only was it an issue with the schedule, but just tax wise, you know, you're getting beat upside the head. If you, 
look at his salary and then you look at your salary and then you have to add in, okay, well, do I pay someone to watch my kid while I go to school? I mean, it just made no sense. But the difference between what life was like when I was an NFL wife, as opposed to how it is now is to me, social media is now like a complete game changer. And I am loving seeing these young wives who are now taking the initiative to create their own identities and their own brands and build something up so that when football is over, they do have an opportunity or they have more of an opportunity to have some type of career after their husband's career ends. Yeah, that's so true because it's like um, they are able to become a brand themselves and you didn't have that opportunity and they're mm-hmm. able to utilize their the platform as the first wife in a way in the kind of like, you know, president, an NFL athlete, an NBA athlete, an NHL athlete. There's such a huge, you know, um, just image for them that the wife now has that opportunity to really make a difference philanthropically in all these different ways by having that their own platforms. And I agree. I see that in TikTok and different places where they're out there and it's tremendous now. So we've had heard the story about you being an NFL wife, but then things really went down uh, based on a, a tragic situation, right? Yeah. Um, a couple of years after my husband retired from the NFL and the way I always describe it was um, his last game was the infamous tuck rule game between the Oakland Raiders and the new England Patriots. And after that game, um, he just, he didn't want to play football anymore. And he was one of those players that was able to walk away from the NFL without issue. Um, There was no period of transition where he didn't want to, you know, he didn't know what he wanted to do with himself. He left the game and started an energy conservation company, went into real estate and life for the most part was great. You know, he started coaching our son's, um, sports teams they were both playing football and baseball and basketball and running track and so it seemed to be pretty easy going on being able to leave the nfl for him but a couple of years after he retired he started complaining about pain in his feet and he would go and visit different positions trying to identify where this discomfort was coming from and they all kept telling him well of course you've got pain in your feet. You've been playing football since you were five years old. So they were always very dismissive of it. And it wasn't until he was on a flight on his way to Costa Rica to play golf with a friend of his that he became sick. During that trip, his friends called a physician into the hotel. That doctor in Costa Rica was the one that did blood work on my husband and discovered that there was something extremely wrong. And within about a week, he was diagnosed with an incurable blood cancer called multiple myeloma. Oh, my. And what symptoms did he have for that cancer? Well, he really didn't have any outside of the pain in his feet. And that's kind of the tricky thing about myeloma and why I've been such an advocate for the disease ever since, because for the most part, the symptoms can be very benign. It's things like anemia, um, discomfort, like it's just nothing that's really blatant in your face. And then the even strange, stranger part about it is that myeloma typically affects people who are twice his age. So he was diagnosed with myeloma at 35 back then the average age was 65 to 70. So it was very rare for him to be diagnosed with myeloma at such a young age. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And wow. And for, so the process didn't last long, right. Till he passed on, right. How long? (laughs) No, it it was about, um, it was almost five years. Um, he, yeah, yeah. He, he had a, um, a stem cell transplant, which is quite common for myeloma patients or, you know, in patients of other blood cancers. And that gave him a little time. The issue with myeloma is it's incurable, but it does go in and out of remission and patients, especially nowadays, because there are so many new treatment options, they're able to live with the disease as long as physicians can find a good balance with the medication. Back then, there weren't nearly as many treatment options. And unfortunately, when Elijah's cancer was initially discovered, it had advanced a lot. And so, um, unfortunately, in, in March of 2010, I was actually in the middle of having a conversation with him. He wasn't feeling well that morning. 
being his caregiver, I was quite used to the ups and downs of myeloma. And I'd already reached out to his physicians, you know, say, hey, something's going on. What should I be doing to try to help him feel better? And the physician asked me to get him ready just to bring him on into the hospital because something was very wrong and I just didn't know what it was. And sadly, I wasn't aware of it, but my husband was actually in the process of having what I believe was a stroke. And I ended up losing him that day from an aneurysm. And so it wasn't the cancer that directly took him, but it was like the side effects of the treatment. So I share my story so that it helps other people who might find themselves in the same position. Um, It was devastating. I was 37 years old and our boys at the time were 11 and 13. And so it's been quite the journey just trying to juggle all the experiences that I've had in a very short period of time. Oh my goodness. So how did you, especially you were going to school and then Mm -hmm. all these different things and then you're used to being a mom and, and, and supporting your husband to then knowing that he's no longer here. I'm sure that there was definitely some insurance available and different things and the NFL uh, pension, but still you have a long life to live. Kimberly. Mm-hmm. So life after your husband, how, what have you done? Well, so immediately after he passed away, I, um, I took over the nonprofit that he started because I promised him that I would keep that going during his recovery from his stem cell transplant. He let it be known that he wanted to help other cancer patients, especially kids who had cancer. And so I attempted to keep his nonprofit going. Um, I, the only background I had in the meeting was broadcasting. And so I was trying to figure out if there was a way to, to get back into that field. And um, I actually had an interesting set of circumstances by being blessed with amazing parents. My parents who had been divorced since I was two years old, they were living in Florida. I was living in Dallas. Both of them picked up and left Florida and moved into my house to help me raise our sons. So my mom moved in upstairs, my dad moved in downstairs, and them allowing me to help me figure some things out by watching my sons and helping me raise them allowed me to help, you know, just find my purpose, which is now to not only help cancer patients and, um, and caregivers, but to also create a, uh, a, a health communications company recently. And hopefully within the next few weeks, launch my own podcast. Okay. All right. So, and that will be for another time conversation yeah. for sure. But, yeah. uh, you also involved, uh, not just in that area, sports too, right? Sports mm-hmm. broadcasting. Can you explain a little bit of that? Yeah. Yeah. So the interesting part about my connection to sports is that when I was a senior at CU Boulder, um, I did an internship at the NBC affiliate there. And being the wife of an NFL player while working in media was really tricky because I saw how the media would sometimes kind of interpret what was going on in the sports world. And I was a little bit sensitive. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit sensitive. And I somewhat started to regret um, going into media because I saw it differently. And so when Eli passed away, um, I started working with a gentleman here. We have a a show in Dallas called The Golf and More Experience. And um, I don't really care for golf as much, so I provide the and more experience. (laughs) But my my perspective is different because I have a closer connection to pro sports. You know, not only was I married to – an NFL player, but our youngest son is um, actually part of the New York Yankees minor league system. Um, He was drafted out of high school a few years ago. And so having a pulse on what's going on on the, I guess, somewhat inside component of sports just allows me to share my views on things that are different from the typical sportscaster. I guess that's the best way to put it. I, th- I think it's definitely the best way it's definitely to put it, but it's awesome to hear the, you know, the story and uh, wow. And uh, where you are today. And so the podcast, do you have figured out what the podcast can be about? You said you started a media company. So is that all based on the nonprofit, the media company? No, it wasn't. Um, I've always stayed within the cancer space with um, 
the nonprofit. So I, I ended up actually shutting down my husband's nonprofit. And then I joined the board for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which also helps myeloma patients since they cover all blood cancers. Um, and then I started a company called Kim Connects because I love to partner nonprofits with retail brands and create charity events. So I've done I've done that. COVID kind of shut all of that down last year and I'm looking forward to getting those events going again. And um my goodness, I, I lost my train of thought. What else were we talking about? The, the, me- uh, the media company. Right. The well it's a huge a health communications company where we oh. are creating content for healthcare providers and um hospitals, physicians, pharmaceutical companies in order to connect them with minority communities to help eliminate health disparities. One of the things I've learned in this cancer advocacy space is that there are a lot of minorities that don't have access that they should. They They don't don't, have the information that they should. And so I'm really sensitive to that and wanted to help make a difference in that space. That's great. So you're creating videos for them? and and Well, it's it's more like creating um, programming, like different types of content for them to connect with the community. So sometimes it's video, but for the most part, it tends to be, how can I explain it? Um, just with programs and information, providing them with resources so that they will know where to go, who to talk to, how to go about attaining that information. Sometimes it's video. Sometimes it's just something that they can find on their computer and read in their own spare time. And that's definitely not connected to nonprofit. So that's another thing in itself. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. Awesome. You have all these things going on. I have a and lot I, going you, on. Exactly. Well, that's good. And, uh, I'm sorry again for the loss of your husband. And I think you're definitely having his legacy live on through you and all the amazing things you're doing. And you see now how you can help other people that have, have lost mm-hmm. a loved one through cancer. And you're really pr- providing a great difference. So where can people donate for the about the, for the foundation? And I know you have a couple websites people can check out, right? Well, yes, I would encourage anyone listening who wants to help to make a donation to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They are a national organization. There are local chapters that you can support. I'm a big fan of all of the things that they're doing in the blood cancer space. As far as connecting with me, I have a website. It's KimConnects.com. I'm also on social media. My handle is pretty much the same on Instagram and Twitter. It's the Kim Alexander. And, um, Shut me down. I'm I'm always here and open to being a resource to helping anyone that needs help in terms of, you know, trying to navigate the cancer space or if they've got any questions about media and branding, I'm I'm all for it. Well, we appreciate it and uh thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, you're listening to Neil Haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment. Please listen to the Forletta podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few, Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, aka El Chapo, and other related real life crime stories such as Waco. For more information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited on the Author's Corner segment to have Jessica Fanzo, author of Can Fixing Dinner Fix the Planet? Can Fixing Dinner Fix the Planet? I I appreciate you coming on. And you know what? Uh, it's, It's an interesting thing that title how did you come up with that title i'm sure everyone's asked that question today but i just wanted to jump uh jump into that first yeah it was you know how do we figure out how to consume more sustainably and a great place to start is on the dinner plate so 
um, it begs the, the question. It's a question though. Right. So um, the answer is yes. Well, that's <laughs> good. No. That's so, so, I mean, that's important. Then that's an important <laughs> thing that we're dealing with what's up coming on with our environment and everything. But I mean, how did you come up with the question? Just, just out of nowhere, yes. you, you know, this is perfect way to get people interested. Yeah, it, I've been working in the food system in that space for a long time. And um, people often ask me, you know, how do I eat more sustainably? How do I eat more healthy? Um, and uh, how it will impact climate change and future food and all of these things. So that's kind of where the title comes from. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, okay. I didn't know that was my phone number in my new office. So I'll have to edit that up. But I, we were able to pretty much answer that question. I, I think when you think about things that, that it's so important, but let's start with the dinner table. How do we do that without giving away the book? I mean, because I think we make so many mistakes in the environment. I had an interview today about a documentary called Bakelite that's about plastics and the history of how the plastics started with an entrepreneur that came back to now they're figuring out sustainability with plastic. So it kind of, kind of segues into this conversation right here today. Yeah, plastics is a, a huge part of the food system. And we generate tons of plastic in the packaging and processing of food. I think for for everyday eaters, there's um, a few things you can do. One is thinking about how much food you throw out. About 30% of food is thrown out from what we grow worldwide, which is incredible. 30%, particularly because you know, we still have hungry people in the world. So to be wasting that kind of food is, is ri ridiculous. So things like... Um, to reduce food waste, don't overbuy. You know, don't uh, stock up your cellar like uh, there's going to be an apocalypse in a year. <laughs> That's one thing. Um, you know, check use-by dates of fresh food when you buy them. Learn to love your freezer. You know, batch cook and freeze things. Use leftovers in soup. So that's that's one area. Another area is just choosing different kinds of foods. If you want to eat more healthy and sustainably, big things like eat more plants. You don't have to eliminate animal right. source foods, but definitely have more fruits and vegetables in your diet that make up a portion of your plate. Eat more variety. Um, think about more sustainable seafood sources like clams and mussels and oysters. Um, and like you said, try to minimize your plastic use. You know, use re reusable bags when you shop, you know, opt out of package-free fruits and vegetables. So the plastics is a huge thing. So those are just some things you can do as, as a consumer on an everyday basis. Yeah, definitely as a consumer, that makes sense. And it's healthy, more healthy for you as well. Because if we're eating out, if we, if we look at what we consume every day, and we use plastics and plastics are involved in a lot of it or any type of, you know, packaging, that means that really we're not eating healthy anyways, most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. So eating healthy, more plant-based, less of the, you know, really highly processed packaged foods that are high in sugar, salt, and fat, all of that is good for you and good for the planet. So it's a win-win. And that win-win is, is a definite win-win in, in so many ways. And what has been the feedback so far from your book since it's come out? Uh, I think people read it and they get a little bit depressed initially. <laughs> because the front part of the book is kind of talking about the challenges. You know, we have rising obesity, climate change is barreling down on us. We have a lot of inequities and in food systems and you know, every system. Um, but then the second half of the book really goes into solutions and not just of what you and I can do, Neil, but what we want governments to do, what we want food and beverage industries to do. It's not just we can't put it on the backs of consumers. We have to have governments care about and govern food systems. We need industry to um, 
play ball and, and, and do more of the right thing and less of the bad thing. Um, so the book really goes into those three areas of where we need government action, more businesses to take the lead, and, and what we can do as individuals. So it's been, it's been positive, but I think it's a bit of a wake-up call for people because people don't really think about food when they think about climate. Um, and people don't realize how, gosh, food is, you know, it's in everything. It's everywhere. And every day you and I interact with the food system. You know, we may not interact with the health system. Hopefully we won't. We don't. But every day you interact with the food system and you make choices. And those choices matter for you, for your family, for your community, for the world. And yeah. I think that's kind of the, the big message there. No, I, I completely agree with you because it's something that is such an important part of the process is, again, um, to look at our decisions we make for the environment and the world, again, of what we're going through and really to look at those things. And your ultimate goal for the book is to really have people start thinking about how we are utilizing the planet. What are we doing that's wasting resources? How can we become more environmentally sound? So even though the title of the book's this way, it really leads people down a path of where to go next, the next step. What's yeah. the next step to learn from this book to say, oh my gosh, well, we just talked about just what we eat during a regular basis, especially for dinner, breakfast, or lunch. Now let's look at how do we how are we utilizing water? Are we, are we, how are we um, utilizing our electricity? Are we wasting certain resources that are available? Are we able to recycle more? All these questions are answered just from this book, from just kind of a, an eye-opening thing based on this question. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it, it's one of these things where food is everywhere, right? It's sold everywhere. I mean, if you think, Neil, you walk into a hardware store, there's food by the cash register. You walk into a bookstore, there's food, right? It's one of these ubiquitous things. So it's hard to get away from, but it's also hard to make decisions about what is healthy, what is sustainable when the information is confusing. It's not always available. So it's a hard space for for people to navigate when it's everywhere and the information is confusing. So Absolutely. I hope that this book provides a bit of, of, of clarity on, on that and when people make decisions about their diets. Uh, yeah, so definitely uh, it's, it's something in, in so many ways that we all have to think about. And what would be three things that you would tell people today to do to help the, with um, just to make the earth a better place to live? I would say one would be maybe don't eat red meat at every meal. <laughs> okay. That would be one. No, and it's not good for you. I'd rather have fish or chicken, to be honest with you. Really? Would. Yeah. Substitute, substitute. And, and, and that's, you know, it's, if you're a person who doesn't care about the environment, but you care about your health, it's still a good reason to cut down on the red meat consumption. So that's one thing. I think the second thing is to try to reduce your consumption of these highly processed packaged foods. They're really detrimental to health. We don't know the environmental impacts of those foods, but they use a lot of plastic, like you said, but they're just really unhealthy for you. Um, but they're cheap, they're tasty, and they're convenient. And industry knows that, right? And these are, you know, junk food, basically, but it's everywhere. Um, and it's hard to get, remove yourself from that, but try to eat less of those sugary, fatty, salty kinds of foods. That's another thing. And I would say, um, the third thing would be around the waste issue, you know, maybe, not buying so much food, you know, try to steady and pace yourself on the amount of food you purchase and the amount of food you order, it's kind of the portion size issue, because a lot of that food gets wasted. So think about the overconsumption side of, of 
your shopping and your ordering of food, you know, how can you reduce that a bit? And you can share plates, you can, you know, shop more frequently. There's lots of things you can do to try to minimize that food waste, but that's really key. Um, particularly for Americans, we just really over shop and over consume um, on a daily basis. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you uh, uh, definitely stopping by today. And the best place we can purchase the book is go where? Uh, you can go to Johns Hopkins University Press, or you can find the book on the Amazon. All right. Well, thanks for coming by and providing such great information. And thanks for coming on the Neil Haley Show. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. You listen to Neil Haley's show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.